11 combined national championships, 4,213 combined all-time wins, North Carolina and Indiana, the Hoosiers and the Tar Heels are getting together for the Big Ten ACC Challenge once again this year. Jacob Rude from Locked On Hoosiers, myself, Isaac Shade from Locked On Tar Heels, we're going to talk about it today. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hey there, it's Monday, July 11th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked On Hoosiers and Locked On Tar Heels crossover. It is the dog days of summer and we want to get ahead and start looking towards what's going to happen this upcoming late fall. I'm your host, Isaac Shade. And Jacob Rude, the host of Locked on Hoosiers, we're so glad to be with you. We want to thank you for making our shows your first listen every single day. Please don't forget, we're free and available anywhere you get your podcasts, so please go ahead and subscribe right now. For those of you watching on YouTube, smash the like button and leave a comment about why you love these two great blue blood programs. We'd like to thank... LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. Ah, Mr. Jacob Rude, it is good to be together talking. What is up, my man? I'm excited to to do this. This is... uh... A small tangent, but when IU made the tournament, it was much more of a headache to try to talk about future opponents because they play Wyoming in their first uh, playing game, and then they play St. Mary's in their first round game. So uh, it was nice to just be able to be like, oh, IU's playing UNC. We have a locked on Tar Heels. So yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to talking about the Tar Heels. And these two teams are, are two teams that have been familiar with one another over the last uh, about uh, 10 years or so, so there's a little bit of history here. Yes, 15 all-time matchups. The Hoosiers lead the series 9-6. to six. They've actually, I was looking um, back on the head-to-head, they've flipped back and forth the past five games. Uh, Indiana won the most recent matchup between the two back in Assembly Hall on November 30th, 2016. Indiana won 76-67. The leading scorer that night, any guesses, Mr. Jacob Rude? Uh, that night, mm, it could have been OG Ananobi, but Absolutely. I not, yeah, I was going to say that would have been my guess. I, I, the main thing I remember from that game is the, the crazy alley-oop <laughs> that he had in that one. And then, uh, it's one of the highlights that are shared. That was a, a weird year for Indiana because they came in with, uh, a lot of expectations and then absolutely fell flat on their face about uh, <laughs> this was one of the last highlights of the season for uh for that yeah. IU team they they eventually just fell flat on their face and and struggled the rest of the year but that was a really fun one uh, a, a lot more game. yeah a lot more fun than the game prior to that which which still for IU fans, I don't know if UNC fans know this. That one stings a lot. That tournament game. Well, that was a uh that was an IU team that Everybody really, really loved, just kind of a fan favorite team, and that one stung quite a lot. That was Thomas Bryant, right? That whole crew yeah. that had just beaten Kentucky in yep. the round of 32, and then Carolina won uh, 101-86 to there in the Sweet 16. Man, high-scoring game. Two players for each team had 20 or more points. Carolina had five players in double digits, similar to what 
the Hoosiers had done it that last game um, in Assembly Hall that they played. OG Ananobi did lead the team 16 points, but five players in double digits. And so just great back and forth games from these two teams. And Jacob, I've often said that game in Assembly Hall, Carolina won the national championship that year. I think it was just a big wake up call for that team of like, oh, shoot, we go in. Like to me, 76-67, the game was not that close. Yeah. Uh, it felt like Indiana dominated the whole thing. And um, Carolina came away from that as like, oh, man, we just waltzed in there and got blitzed. And so they got to figure things out with a, a veteran crew of, of Luke May and Joel Berry and Theo Pinson, amongst others. So That, that gives me uh, a little bit of optimism because the last <laughs> two times UNC's come into Assembly Hall, um, they have been kind of absolutely blitzed. The other time I was on campus back in 2012 uh for, it was a big 10 acc game too and yeah you want to talk about getting blitz that one that scoreline was very much closer to uh to how that game played out so i have some optimism <laughs> in that regard but if we're going to win the game and you're going to win the national title i don't know if I i'll like take trade <laughs> i don't like that trade off yes absolutely and you know uh like i was saying the games of the winner has switched back and forth so it's carolina's turn to win and then uh maybe trace jackson davis and the whole crew can go on and win a national championship but i would rather have that so we'll we'll have to see what goes on so let, let's talk about this matchup jacob what do you uh what do you foresee for the hoosiers coming into it coming into this year yeah this is a an interesting iu team um i mean last year under Mike Woodson was a lot of uncertainty. We didn't really know what to expect. Um, it was a really soft uh, non-conference schedule as he kind of figured some things out. And then um, they struggled a lot during Big Ten play, eventually got things right at the last possible second <laughs> and snuck into the tournament. But the good news for IU fans is they bring back um, effectively that entire team. Uh, they lost two guards, but they're adding a pair of five-star recruits, which uh, is very rare for, maybe not very rare, but rare for Indiana maybe than some of the other top programs. But uh, they get Jalen hood Shafino, a guard, Malik Renault, a forward that are coming in as, uh, they were two top 25 prospects. And so you're adding that to a team that was built around Trace Jackson Davis. And um, obviously he's going to be the, the kind of highlight of uh, IU's team this season and every matchup he's in, he's going to be um, kind of the key focus for everyone. But it was a team that really started to figure things out at the end of last season. Uh, and because they're bringing just pretty much everyone back from that team, the idea is they're <laughs> going to be able to hit the ground running uh, yeah. and heading into this next season. And they beefed up their, um, their non-conference schedule. This game against UNC it's kind of the kickoff of a, about two weeks where they, they're going to play UNC. Uh, they're going to have some sort of Big Ten game. And then they're going to go to Las Vegas to play uh, Arizona. And then they're going to go to Kansas, uh, Fog Island Fieldhouse, to play that one as well. So this matchup is going to kind of kick off a stretch of games where we're going to really find out a lot about Indiana. <laughs> yeah. And and same is true of the Tar Heels coming off a year where obviously they they struggled for a lot of the year as well. Let's let's not mince those words and then uh got it together at the right time all the way till the national championship game and bring four out of the five of those starters back. And so there are high hopes for the Tar Heels as well. Um, we would imagine, assuming both these teams do what we think they'll do in the earlier part of November, uh, 
this should come in as a top 25 matchup. Uh, every Everyone I've seen, every national college basketball voice has said this is the uh, prominent matchup of the entire challenge between the Big Ten and ACC, which has been dominated by the Big Ten in yeah. recent years. And um, so th- that'll be really interesting and I think is going to be a great measuring stick for both squads who both bring back a lot of what they had last year, as you said, and then both bring in uh, a, a quality recruiting class. And so um, uh, a great opportunity at home for Indiana to s- start off that stretch you were just talking about and a great opportunity for Carolina to go on the road to a place where frankly, they've struggled um, the, the past couple of times they've been there as, as we've talked about. And so um, uh, is this veteran core for the Tar Heels going to, uh, be able uh, to be tough enough to do what they need to do to to make this a competitive game where either team could win down the stretch. So, Jacob, we're going to talk obviously here in just a couple minutes about uh, the the big matchup in the post between Trace Jackson Davis and Armando Baycott. But before we get to them, because that, that's the highlight, we want to save that. Any other um, real highlights for the Hoosiers in terms of what you think might make for an interesting matchup in this game? Well, IU uh, hung its hat last season on defense, and they were the best team in the Big Ten uh, based on Ken Palm for much of the season defensively. They were one of the top 20 in the nation defensively. So that's kind of been the calling card for IU. uh, Well, that's what it was last season, I should say, under Mike Woodson, uh, was that defense. Now, um, the problem was it, it kind of came at the expense of offense last year, and uh, it was not pretty basketball for large stretches of the game. There was a big reliance on Trace Jackson Davis to kind of bail IU out a lot, and that kind of shifted more toward the end of the season. They uh, kind of realized uh, they became a, a pretty heavy pick-and-roll team uh, mm. uh, toward the end of the year, and especially when they, they made a run through the Big Ten tournament and into the NCAA tournament. Um, and Trace Jackson Davis talked this season pretty openly, actually, about wanting to uh, focus more on offense and, and figure out how to score, basically, as opposed to <laughs> just putting everything into the defense. Because while it, it kept IU in a lot of games, it led to a lot of really frustrating losses because IU yeah. finishes just like a couple made baskets away from pulling off a big win, uh, and they were unable to do that. So uh, just kind of that balance, uh, the defense isn't going away and Trace Jackson Davis kind of anchors that Um, they have some, some really strong guards on the perimeter that kind of help anchor that out there on the perimeter itself. But uh, just kind of that balance between uh, uh, how good you want to be defensively and how much you want to focus on that. And then trying to figure out some things offensively and some of the new faces that are coming in Jalen hood, Shafino, uh, he's going to start from from day one, and he's going to bring a okay. different dynamic to the team as well. So uh, him and Xavier Johnson are going to be a really interesting backcourt that should be able to complement one another and should be able to help IU create more because last year it was a team that was pretty much built around Trace Jackson Davis, and it was some shooters around him and throw it into the post and watch him work. And when defenses figured out they could just put – five guys in the paint, uh, it, it, I, you couldn't figure it out for a while. So yeah. the idea is there are more guys now available that can create their own shot, knock down shots from the outside that makes it a little less one-dimensional. 
Yeah, and it's funny because Carolina is kind of the flip of that. They excelled on efficient offense last year and uh, struggled at times to find the defense. Obviously, they did much better with that as the season progressed. And so the big question mark then is you've got four of these five starters back, but you lose Brady Manick, who was a huge contributor at the stretch four spot, which took a lot of the presence uh, away from... Armando Baycott inside. And so now Carolina brings in a Big Ten transfer from Northwestern, Mr. Pete Nance. And so the question becomes, how is he going to fit alongside Baycott? Will he be able to be that stretch four and uh, bring some of the pressure away? So we ultimately get mano a mano with Trace Jackson Davis and Armando Baycott in the paint, which is the matchup everyone's looking forward to. In fact, we're going to talk much more about that in just a second, right after I tell you about LinkedIn. As the summer comes out and small businesses are back in action, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs as the number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, so, Mr. Jacob, we've got these two second-year head coaches uh, coming in. A really interesting first year for both of them. Really looking to build on that. And both of them are going to build around their big men in the post. Really excited for this matchup between Armando Baycott and Trace Jackson Davis. What are you uh, looking forward to that? What is? Uh, let's talk about some of the banter that they've had back and forth. Yeah, I was going to say, we might be looking forward to it, but I think they're looking as much forward to it as anyone. They were... Uh, <laughs> It was it was the same day that Trace Jackson Davis announced he uh, was returning to IU and uh, withdrawing from the draft that he's out here tweeting at Armando Baycott to, <laughs> to come to the crib for the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and uh, they were tweeting at one another. I don't know how much uh, that played into the ACC and Big Ten scheduling them. It seemed like these two teams were probably always, uh, always going to be playing one another this season, but uh, yeah, it... I, I love watching these matchups because um, there's just not a ton of them anymore, uh, especially as someone who, who mainly covers the NBA. You just don't really see these types of like old school big man matchups uh, going back and forth against one another on each end of the floor. So uh, I love watching this. And it's two guys who kind of, like I said, are a little more traditional big men that uh, post up, back guys down and and score in that way. So I, I'm excited to watch these. Trace always seems to uh, embrace that challenge and has had some really big games against uh, Kofi Coburn was one of them in the Big Ten yeah. ACC Challenge who, uh, I mean, Mike Woodson straight up told him that he had kind of punked him in previous games and, <laughs> and he played like he was scared and uh, he went at him and, and dominated him in that 
uh, Big Ten tournament game. So he's someone that kind of rises up to the challenge with with these matchups. But this is going to be probably the the toughest one he's going to have all season long. Yeah, definitely. And it's so interesting. You you talk about that NBA side of things. As we know now on this side of the NBA draft, Kofi Coburn goes undrafted because mm-hmm. the NBA just doesn't value this skill set as they used to. Um, Vernon Carey from Duke a couple years ago yep. should have been a top three pick. He dominated college basketball, but was picked in the second round. Luca Garza from the Big Ten uh, uh, last year, the year before. Um, National Player of the Year was like 52nd in the draft. And we just see this trend over and over again now. And it's probably in big part why that, along with NIL, why we get Trace Jackson Davis, why we get Armando Baycott, Drew Timmy, Hunter Dickinson, all these big men coming back to school who are going to, frankly, uh, be the face of college basketball now and, and own that. And, and it's huge because in this NIL era, uh, they can profit in major ways off of coming back. Um and so uh, I love <clears throat> what you're talking about with Trace Jackson Davis rising to the occasion in these matchups. And I think that's going to be what uh, the country needs to get all in on college basketball in November when most eyeballs are still focusing on football. For our two schools, well, you know, uh, they're already <laughs> dialed in on basketball. Let's, let's be honest about that. Um, but Armando Baycott, very similarly, like once those challenges. And, and so um, whereas he... Um, is a strong defender. He is more equipped and talented offensively as Trace Jackson Davis is on the defensive end. And so that's where I'm, I think is going to be the most interesting to watch is when Carolina's on offense. Um, how does that work? How, how do things facilitate? As you said with Indiana earlier, Carolina runs a lot of pick and roll with RJ Davis and Armando Baycott. And um, how, how will Indiana defend that? That's going to be really interesting. Yeah, the with with Trace as well. He he became last season. So two years ago, uh, I'm trying to think of the nicest way to say he was not good <laughs> defensively. Uh, he he struggled to say the least. And when Mike Woodson came in, um, when when Mike Woodson initially came in, Trace has said a couple times. He said it a lot, really. He had nine toes out the door. He was going to leave either via the draft or the transfer portal. Mike Woodson came in and part of the convincing him to stay, um, he talked about this. It wasn't like he came in and told him about all the good things he did. He came in and showed him all the things he struggles with Mm -hmm. and defense was, uh, high on that list. And trace went from not only like a bad defender to being on the big 10, all defensive team last year. And he developed as a a rim protector, 2.3 blocks per game. Um, a a much smarter defender that, um, for the large part, didn't get into foul trouble. There were a couple of big games that, uh, he struggled with that. The Purdue game, he, he got into foul trouble really early on, but fortunately, uh, he's not facing a seven, four giant like he is against (laughs) Purdue and this Zach Eady. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, hopefully he, there won't be early foul trouble on either side, but it is interesting. Something you, you talked about is kind of with this NIL era, um, I don't specifically know with Armando Baycott, but I know with uh, Trace, he's going to be getting easily six figures in terms of NIL money um, next season. And I-, I wonder if that makes the decision to come back a little bit Absolutely. easier. Uh, Absolutely. With, with, with Trace, he, he talked also about wanting to graduate, and I'm sure that, 
that played a role in it. But when you're making <clears> as <throat> much money now as these guys are, like it, it makes the decision a little bit easier. And I wonder if that's going to be a trend we see is these big men, like all of them you listed, if, if they're the ones that end up staying maybe a little bit longer in college basketball, because there's money to be had here now that, that previously wasn't. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I didn't even name Oscar Shibway, the, the reigning yeah. national player of the year who comes back. And so it's going to be really interesting. I'm really curious to see like preseason All-America teams because it should be both of these two guys we're talking about, Trace, Armando Baycott. Pro, I mean, Oscar Shibway is a no-brainer and Drew Timmy's a no-brainer, maybe even Hunter Dickinson. And so yeah. uh, typically when these teams are formed, they're trying to spread around different positions, but who do you keep off of that list with preseason All-America teams? Like, uh, and so that, that'll be really interesting to see how different um, sports entities construct those preseason All-America teams. And uh, I fully expect that we'll be seeing a matchup between these two schools with two preseason All-Americans battling it out down in the post. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I didn't think about that aspect about – I would. I would have to look at previous uh, All-American teams uh, to see if they even really care about position designations because, yeah, theoretically, um, and maybe even realistically, it should be about five big men, uh, at least four of them with, with yeah. the uh, Timmy, Shibway, and these two guys. Uh, you would Yeah, think I think Dickinson's kind of, the odd man out of that group. Yeah, it, but even then, you have four big men, and uh, whoever the fifth one ends up being is – is wild. So uh, yeah, th- I-, I do think uh, kind of in my head, I just thought, yeah, these are going to be two all Americans, but uh, you're going to have four all Americans that are, are big <laughs> men next season. But yeah, it, it is going to be interesting to see if that's kind of the, if that's just something like a, a trend for the short term, or if it's something that's going to be more long-term. Um, it, the, one of the case studies I thought was uh, Kofi Coburn and whether he might return this season. Uh, he obviously opted for the draft. Yeah. Um, and as you said, he didn't get drafted, but, uh, some of those decisions like that are going to be more and more interesting. And and, I mean, for the record, I mean, Trace didn't say anything about NIL being a a reason he came back. And I don't know that many of these guys are going to outright say that, that NIL is, is why they came back, but, uh, (laughs) it makes the decision a lot more difficult when, when the pay is, um, a lot closer in value, maybe even more to stay in college basketball and, uh, it's going to make those decisions a lot more difficult to make, the, whether you you go to the NBA and, and spend time in the G League kind of um, on contracts that are going to be lower than what they would make in college basketball. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not playing in front of people. Like, you come yeah. back to Indiana, you come back to North Carolina, you're playing 35, 38, 40 games, however many you play, depending on how far you go. In front of a national TV audience where you raise your brand awareness more and more and more. And uh, for some, you said you weren't quite sure about Armando Baycott. So he is a business major in uh, the Keenan Flagler Business School for Carolina. So he's very dialed into these numbers and has marketed himself extremely well. And so, yeah, um, it makes all the sense in the world for him to be back in college. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to, to watch these two teams because they're going to be... Um... <laughs> two of the top teams in the country next season. And this is going to be one of the, the top early matchups to watch early on, but we don't even know how much longer these, this might be a big 10 <laughs> ACC challenge. Because, exactly. Uh, the kind of the underlying thing with everything in college athletics right now is the realignment that 
has directly impacted the uh, the Big Ten. So we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But first, uh, I want to talk to you guys about Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You guys can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, uh, including this year's MLB season. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So it's uh, it's been a, a little more than a week now that uh, – Los Angeles is now Big Ten country, which is a <laughs> a sentence that still I can't wrap my head around. Um, I'm kind of interested as an outsider looking in. What's just your yeah. reaction to uh, to USC and UCLA being Big Ten schools now? Yeah, I think it's bonkers. I mean, something I think we all see the the realignment coming, but I had never imagined something of this um, geographically odd magnitude, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I've said oftentimes in, in the week since this happened that I think Oklahoma and Texas, when they made their announcement to the SEC, that shook everything and, and was crazy to me, again, as an outsider, like you're saying. But also there was a level of, well, Texas A&M's in the SEC, Missouri's in the SEC now. And so it's like, yeah, so I, I guess it does make some sense, at least with the way they're expanding. But then you get now this bi-coastal thing. And so this was less of a shock because of of some of the other moves that have been made. But to me, uh, this signals the biggest change in conference realignment in terms of people looking towards these super leagues, people looking to all this stuff. But for me, this is a huge win for the Big Ten because LA is the second biggest media market behind New York in the entire country. And so you just take... Uh, this media package that the Big Ten already has, it's phenomenal, again, from an outsider's view, and just only increases uh, the payout that each of the now 16 Big Ten schools are going to get. Yeah, and that's a big thing. The timing, this was all just kind of a perfect storm, I think, with uh, with USC and UCLA. It's, uh, the Big Ten's negotiating a media rights deal right now, and um, on on top of that, uh, they're obviously always kind of a looking to expand kind of in this climate. And then there was an article that came out last week that uh, UCLA was in really dire financial straits. Uh, they were going to have to, I, the article refer, or called it an Olympic sports Armageddon was kind Oof. of on the docket and they were going to have to start <clears throat> cutting. It was over a hundred million dollars in debt. They were, uh, or a deficit. They Sheesh. had, um, and so they were USC and UCLA came to the big 10 and asked them about joining the big 10 basically. And they are the one that started the conversation, but the, now that same article says they're going to go from, I think it was around $102 million deficit to they're going to be in a surplus within a year or two now. <laughs> and ridiculous. the, the expectation uh, is that they're going to bring in about $100 million in media rights each year. And the the deal that's going to be signed in the Big Ten is going to be, for the media deal, is going to be astronomical. Uh, it was already going to be a record-breaking deal. It was going to be over a billion dollars annually. 
Um, the Big Ten commissioner said that himself, and that was back in the early spring, March or April. Wow. Um, and kind of the way they're negotiating it, half of it's going to stay with Fox already. And the other half was just kind of up in the air, and they're going to sell it off to the highest bidder, basically. And um, so the timing was right that USC and UCLA kind of realized that um, and jumped in. And now, as you said, they're bringing with them the second biggest market in the country. And and realistically now, if you look at the list, I uh, the Big Ten has – Five of the top six kind of media markets. New York, they, I mean, that's why they added Rutgers. Nobody in the the Big Ten really wanted Rutgers, but that's why they added them. Uh, You have L.A. now. You have Chicago. uh, You have the Philly area with Penn State. um, You you don't have anything with with Texas, and you probably never will. But the San Francisco area, you kind of lock down with USC and UCLA. Um, so, and then Washington DC is kind of in that mix as well with Maryland. So, uh, you have, they were ninth in 2021. Yeah. You have all these huge media markets that are, um, going to be within the big 10 network now. So it's, I, I was on locked on big 10 last week and we kind of discussed, I'm not sure what the number is going to be for this big 10 media right deal. Like the final number. It's going to be in the billions, and I don't know that any number is going to shock me at this point because uh, when they were talking about it back in the spring, they mentioned that $100 million annually mark, and the Big Ten commissioner said, no, 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 that, that's kind of a pipe dream. Like, that, that's not happening. Um, that, that's changed. That's happening now. So uh, how much money that adds overall to the table is going to be interesting to see, but uh, it this I still can't wrap my head around that that USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten. I, I kept expecting there to be a, a catch and that somehow this was going <laughs> to fall through. And just the way it happened, like it happened within like 10 hours on, on that Thursday where it went from like a report to the Big Ten and USC and UCLA putting out statements that they're joining the Big Ten all within like 10 hours. And I think the way that it all played out just was like, it happened so fast that nobody could really wrap their head around it. Yeah. There, there's so many logistical like concerns. <laughs> like, how do you get UCLA to Rutgers for like a, a women's soccer game during the week? Like, I I don't know how you you address that. But when when you have this much money, I guess they don't really care. Yeah, man. And like for Fox, you know, like who also has a stake in the Pac-12. Uh, that's a big win for them to keep two of their preeminent Pac-12 teams in the Fox network. And so that's that's a huge win. But um, yeah, absolutely. The the Olympic sports question of it all is a big, obvious reason to go to the Big Ten. Um, like when we look at the North Carolina side of things, uh, people on our side, ACC wide are starting to freak out because it's like, hey, Pac-12 is, is the lame duck right now. But it seems like maybe the ACC and or Big 12, depending on what happens with the Pac-12 teams they're trying to get, might be next in line. Um, for North Carolina, <clears throat> SEC seems to make more geographical sense and uh, maybe some competitive sense. But SEC doesn't have the depth of Olympic sports that North Carolina does. And so from that standpoint, Big Ten would make a ton more sense. Also institutionally, as, as like a research institution, um, Carolina is um, 
I don't want to say better than the SEC, but just aligns more with the Big Ten in terms of the type of institution that they are. Uh, it was interesting, Jacob. I ran a uh, a poll both on the Locked On YouTube page and uh, my personal Twitter about, hey, what do you think is going to happen to North Carolina in all of this? And um, the YouTube side of it was pretty um, heavily weighted towards staying in the ACC. There were 443 votes. 76% said stay. they think Carolina will stay in the ACC. 15% to the SEC. 7% to the Big Ten. But the Twitter poll, interestingly, was a lot more balanced. Uh, fewer votes, but 46% said Carolina would stay in the ACC. 32% said SEC, and 22% said Big Ten. So that's really interesting to me. Yeah, I. it's such an odd, like, as, as IU fan uh, in the Big Ten, like, we can almost sit back and and watch everything unfold because we're kind yep. of in this, this yep. safe spot where yep. uh, we're not really going anywhere. But is there kind of a sense of inevitability as a, somebody on the outside looking in that eventually this is – just going to turn into two super conferences with the Big Ten and SEC. It seems that way. Um, I'm <clears throat> it that that inevitability. I think is a great word of like the the ball is rolling, and I don't know what's going to stop it. Um, a lot of people think like, hey, if we can quit dancing with Notre Dame and and formally get <laughs> them into the ACC, but just their list of demands is just so high that I don't know that it makes sense. So I'm really curious to see what happens with Notre Dame. But even if you get them in as the ACC, that's still 15 teams, and you really want another one to balance it out. And so who do you go get um, from that? Maybe a Big East school. I just don't even know what what makes a ton of sense there. Um, the nice thing is, even though there, to me, there does seem to be an, an inevitability that something is going to happen. But for North Carolina, they are kind of the in the top tier of ACC schools uh, of what what I'm hearing is desirability to either the SEC or Big Ten. Uh, most people are saying that first tier would be North Carolina along with Clemson, uh, Florida State, and Miami. And if you're looking at it in terms of pairs, I know obviously from the outside looking in, North Carolina would most sensibly pair with Duke or NC State. But from a desirability standpoint, I think it might actually be more Clemson or perhaps even Virginia uh, to pair with North Carolina while you would have like Miami and Florida state as a pair together. Yeah. It was when you, when you said that top tier, I was surprised it didn't include Duke, but I mean, <clears throat> football drives everything. And, and there you go. those other schools are, are football schools. So, uh, and I, I will say you're, you're speaking to the choir about uh, dealing with Notre Dame and trying to, uh, to <laughs> yeah, deal with their demands because yeah. the yep. big 10 has been courting them for, yep. I, I don't even know how long it's been at this point. They're just always kind of been an open invitation. And that's a school that everybody kind of thinks is the next to join the big 10. But uh, it, I, I don't know. I, I really, do, I really just don't know at this point with, with realignment, I would say that this summer um, is probably done for the big 10 because they're going to want to get this media deal. Except mm -hmm. if Notre Dame wants to come because that that invite just kind of always been there. But outside of that, yeah. I would say that they're just done. They want to get this media deal done because anybody else they add at this point is going to take a, a share of that pie. Exactly. And you got to be you got to bring a lot to the table. And Notre Dame does do that and whatnot. But um, outside of that, anything feels possible. Like when when you're adding UCLA and USC to the Big Ten. <laughs> 
I think you've kind of crossed the border uh, or whatever the line was in the sand. And it feels like anything's on the table at this point. So uh, I, I really don't know what the next domino to fall is, but I, I think we're kind of at a point of no return where this is eventually going to be two super conferences. Yeah. And part of it with the ACC is that um, grant of rights deal. Like they've got yeah. a long time before they can renegotiate their media deal and they are well far behind uh, what the SEC and Big Ten are. And so there's kind of that side of it is, hey, that's going to affect recruiting. That's going to affect all this. And so that's that's a big thing for the ACC right now as well. One of the things interesting with Notre Dame really quick is I could see them joining a conference, but I could also see some other schools getting in on like, hey, this independent thing's going pretty well for them. I wonder if we could pursue that route. So I, I could see the independency going either way, to be honest. Like you're saying, pr- prior to all this, West Virginia was the weirdest geographical uh, <laughs> thing to me, them being in the Big 12. But now it's clearly USC and UCLA. Anything yeah. is possible. Yeah. It, looking up last week as we were kind of trying to wrap our heads around it, the closest road game for USC and UCLA is going to be Nebraska, which is about 1,500 miles. That was my guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it, I, I, I don't know. It Logically, it seems like other schools will eventually come, but money talks and the money's been talking on this one for for a while, and it's hard to turn down $100 million annually. So yeah. uh, anything could change at this point, and, and it feels like anything's on the table. So – uh, that's going to be a constant conversation to to monitor throughout the summer. But uh, thanks again, guys, for making these shows your first listen every day. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Leave a quick rating and review. Uh, but most importantly, everybody, have a great Monday and have a great summer. That's right. Peace. Right.